Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Amen. Good morning. We are wrapping up our summer series. Welcome to the finale of the Unique Series. All summer long, we've been looking at the different attributes of God. And remember, our goal here is not simply to educate ourselves in the growing knowledge of understanding theology and what the Bible tells us about who God is and how He's revealed Himself. It's not just increasing in knowledge. It's also that we might increase in a sense of awe and reverence and worship for the Lord as we are swelling up with this gratitude and love for God to say, you are bigger than I thought you are. And I want to remember that every single day of my life so that I will trust you more because our God can do anything. Amen? And we want to, to spend this summer together looking. And I just remind you where we've been across the summer. So far, we've talked about that he is incomprehensible, meaning you cannot find the bottom of God. If you were to go in the ocean, you could try to find the fathoms uh, of depth in the ocean, and you could drop a line. And if you try to drop a line in the depth of the greatness and expanse of who God is, you could never find the bottom. He is bottomless and edgeless. He is all-encompassing in all places at all times. We talked about that God is eternal. No one created God. He has always been, and he always will be. We talked about the fact that God, though, is knowable. Praise the Lord that this eternal, edgeless, bottomless God has made himself knowable through the creation he's revealed himself, through the word he's revealed himself, but ultimately through Jesus he's revealed himself and has kindly, in mercy, made a way for us to know the limitless, bottomless, incomprehensible God. We also looked at he is sovereign that he is the highest authority and has all rule and reign in the universe, and that he is right now actively managing, real-time, involved, on it, in the details of every system, every person, everything in existence. It's who he is. We also talked about the fact that he is omnipotent, meaning that he is the source and he holds all power. All power resides in him. We talked about the fact that he is just and that he's merciful, We talked about the fact that he is good and faithful. We talked about that he is Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, one God, three persons. We talked about the fact that he is all-knowing and that that's good news, right? God sees you. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. You are not obscure. You're not off on your own. God sees every detail of your life. We talked about the fact that God is holy. We talked about the fact that God is love. And here we are in part nine. Way to go. You made it through all the series. Here in the finale, we're talking about the fact that God is glorious. This morning, we're going to culminate this series with some teaching on the glory of God. So let's jump right in. The glory of God. What is the glory of God? I'm going to give you two things this morning. Letter A, the glory of God is the radiance of his collective perfections. 
So the glory of God is this brightness. It is this splendor. It is the unapproachable light of all of the magnitude of all of God's collective perfections. So his justice, his mercy, his goodness, his faithfulness, his omnipotence, his omniscience, all of that together just radiates a bright and splendid light. This is the glory of God, the radiance of his collective perfections. So let's look at some scriptures in this. They're going to come up on your screen for you. Um, and by the way, if you uh, didn't get a chance to bring a copy of the scriptures, if you don't own an easy-to-read copy of the Bible, it would be our honor to give you one. We keep extras on hand for that purpose. If you'll stop by the starting point center on your way out this morning and say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? That'll be yours to keep. We'd love for you to have, uh, for everyone to have an easy-to-read copy of the scriptures. So um, if you don't have one, we'd love to bless you with one. But let's look at this first passage. It's in Exodus 24, and we're going to look at glory as the radiance of God. Here, this is when Moses was meeting with God in Mount Sinai, and it says, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai for six days. The cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. So wherever God was, wherever God manifests his presence, his omnipotence, his faithfulness, his justice, his mercy, all of his perfections radiating, that's kind of shining as unapproachable light. That's the glory of God, the brightness of all of God's perfections. Let's look at the rest of this. The next passage is in Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 7, verse 1. This is when Solomon built the temple of the Lord and he prayed this amazing prayer. And when he had finished praying this dedication of the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So this glory is, here's God, he's manifest in this place. God has shown up and the brightness of all of his perfections was filling the temple. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, the story of the birth of Jesus, the shepherds who were out guarding their flocks by night. You're thinking, wait a minute, it's not Christmas, this is July. But remember those shepherds, and the, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were all terrified. The brightness of the greatness of the perfections of God shining in this light that is overwhelming and let's look at one more, Acts 22, verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul referring to the glory of God as, a, as the brightness of it. And he's telling the story of the Damascus Road moment where God stopped him in his days of persecution and changed his life and called Paul to, to follow him and to be used of him. And Paul's telling the story. He says, my companions led me by hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And that word there in the Greek is the same word for the glory, the splendor, the brightness of God there on the Damascus road. This bright light of the perfections of God. I've been trying to find a way to communicate that to us today. And, and the way I, I've done that is through um, a fancy contraption involving a nukes cup. Anybody have about 100 nukes cups at your house uh, right now? But I, I kind of want to want to illustrate this for you a little bit. So we've talked about the fact that that you know God is is just, and and that God is uh, omnipotent, and that God is uh, somebody give me another one. What have we talked about? 
holy, and that God is love, it's important that we understand in, in these that when God is all the time, all of these, God doesn't know like, okay, I'm just, but wait a minute, I'm going to be merciful. I'm turning that one off and I'm turning on the mercy. God is always mercy, justice, omnipotence, all of these. And in the most crude way you could possibly do this, what I'm trying to show you is the radiance the bright, blinding light of the collective perfections of God when you bring them all together. I love it. Right now in the room, if you're listening by audio, people are turning their eyes away because they cannot look at it. And this is a crude, small, little representation of what it must be like to stand in the presence of our limitless God. The bright, unapproachable shining, this is splendor defined. I'll turn it off now. The glory of God is the collective perfections radiating. This is the brightness of God. This is all of his attributes on display all the time. So the first thing I want you to understand about the glory of God in Scripture is it's the radiance of his collective perfections. Letter B. Glory is greatness that deserves honor. In Scripture, you'll see uh, people who are referred to in their glory. And sometimes it's of God, and sometimes it's of people. That, that the glory of these people, or the glory of this nation, or the glory of this house, or the glory of, of, of this man, or this woman, and all these kind of things. Sometimes God uses glory about that, because glory isn't just the radiance of God's collective perfections. It is also greatness that deserves Honor. Let me show you a couple of scripture passages where you see this use of glory. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation commends your works to another, and they tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. So time out there for a minute. Now you see a use of the splendor, right? The, the, the majestic splendor, the brightness, what we just talked about. And I will meditate on all your wonderful works. Now we're going to talk about God's greatness that deserves honor. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Let's keep rolling through. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, and he has compassion on all that he has made. And all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you or brag on you, and they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. So here in this one passage, we see the reference to the splendor of who God is in his majesty, and you see the glorious kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is great, and it's worthy of honor. And so here you have a use of glory referring to something other than just the collective perfections of God. Another passage is in Romans 3.23. We know this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. This is not a verse that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the brightness of his perfections. 
We have all fallen short of his greatness, of his standard, of his holiness, of his wondrous reality. We have all fallen short of this greatness that deserves honor. I want to show you another passage in Revelation 21, where actually you see both uses of the word glory again. Revelation 21, I'm going to read a few verses here, starting in verse 22. This is John's um, recording of what he saw in heaven. He says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. That's that first use of the word glory in Scripture. The brightness, the radiance of his perfections. And the Lamb is its lamp. And the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. That's actually a reference to their glory. Let's keep rolling here in this passage. And on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. So here in our teaching today, we're understanding that when the Bible uses the word glory, it's sometimes about people and nations talking about their greatness that deserves honor. It's certainly not saying the brightness of the collective perfections of the nations. It's talking about their greatness that deserves honor. When you see something that's great, you point to it and you celebrate it. And this is the word we use in church. We worship it. And you and I don't have to be taught how to worship. We are born knowing how to worship. We are born knowing how to give honor to something that is great. Some of you have given honor to a video game that you think is great. Some of you have shared a picture on Instagram or Facebook that you thought was great, and you've given honor to it, and you've said, I want to I spread this around. I'm going to share this. I'm going to forward this because I want to celebrate it. Some of you go to a sporting event and you stand up and you cheer and celebrate the athletes and you worship, you, you give honor to the greatness that you're seeing on display there. Some of you have been at a dinner table and you've pushed back from the meal. Maybe you just had an amazing uh, entree followed by an unbelievable dessert and you sit back and you just go, mmm. That is a celebration of something you think is great, and you're in that moment honoring it. And then you know what you do next? You tell your friends about it. This is the celebration of something that's great that deserves honor. We don't have to be taught how to glorify things. We're born knowing how to do that. Glory is the radiance of God's collective perfections. That's some of the use in Scripture. And it's also... Wow, that is amazing, and it needs to be honored. It's worthy of honor. It's worthy of note. It's worthy of celebration. That's incredible. That's amazing. So we see those two uses in the scriptures. So we brought the teaching on what glory is in the Bible, and and you've got some things here in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but what in the world does this matter for life on a Tuesday? How does this matter in your workplace or in your home? What does it matter that God is glorious and that this is glory? Well, let's walk through uh, four things before we finish this morning. I'm going to give you four things to help you here. I'm going to all four come up on the screen at the same time, and we'll talk through some of this. This absolutely matters, number one, because the Bible is full of commands to glorify God. We need to understand what glory is. We need to understand what the glory of the Lord is. 
We need this in our lives because the Bible over and over and over and over again invites us, challenges us, commands us, instructs us to glorify the Lord. Let's look at a few passages in Scripture. In Psalm 34, verse 3, the psalmist writes, it's going to come up on your screen here in just a second. Psalm 34, verse 3. The psalmist writes, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This is something we're supposed to do. It's one of the things we do together as we gather for worship. It's another passage in Matthew 5.16 that many of you have heard for years. Let your light so shine in such a way that people see your good works and then what? Glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible is giving us this instruction that we are to live in such a way that people look at our lives and they give glory to God. They don't give, check this out, they don't give the bright shining splendor of his perfections to God. (laughs) They give glory to God, meaning they go, wow, he is great and worthy of honor. That's how we glorify him. The Bible's full of these instructions. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Other translations uh, use what's the, the real Greek word that's there. It's the word for glory. It's the glorify. So glorify God with your body. Use your body to show that God is great and deserves honor. Another passage that we'll see here coming along is in Romans chapter 15, verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the call and hope for the church of God, for the people of Christ, that we with one mind would love each other so that together with one voice we would glorify the God of our Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now let's look at the rest of this passage. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises. Let's leave this screen up here for a second. I will sing the praises of your name. So the function of God's people, the command toward God's people, is that we would together with one mind and one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with another end in mind, so that even the Gentiles, and in this context, this was saying the people who don't already know God, and we would translate it this way, so that the people in Murfreesboro and at MTSU would come to glorify God for his mercy. Isn't that our hope as a church? That's what we want people to do. We want to gather new worshipers of God. We want to lead people to see the mercy of God in the cross of Jesus Christ, the kindness of God, the grace of God, to have hope in God and to begin a relationship with him so that then they see him and they begin to say, he is indeed great and deserving of honor and worship. 
So the Bible is full of all these commands to glorify. We're supposed to glorify him. And the hope of the world is that, that our God's people would move to even get those outside of the church to begin glorifying God. This matters because the Bible is full of commands to glorify the Lord. Number two. So how do we do this? We glorify God by pointing to his greatness, not adding to his greatness. This is really important. God is right now fully glorious. And when you glorify him, when you point to his greatness, when you give him credit for things, when you point to his wondrous deeds and acts and attributes, you're not making God better. You're not increasing his greatness. He's already fully great. So the idea of glorifying God is we point to his fullness of greatness. We don't together say God's not quite fully great, so let's glorify him and so he'll be a little more greater through our honoring. He's fully glorious. And we point to it. That leads us to number three. We glorify God by giving him credit for the good in our lives. Every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. God's kindness and his mercy and his faithfulness are without end. God is just and he is merciful. God is kind and good and gracious and he's patient with us. Hallelujah, he is patient with us. And God has blessed us beyond what we deserve, amen? Men and women of Jesus, that job you have right now, Yes, you worked hard in school, and yes, you killed it in the interview, and yes, you show up and work hard and do your, your, your work well, but you didn't get that job. God gave you that job. That's our view of the world, amen? That house you're living in right now, that house that's appropriately cool in the summertime and warm in the, in the wintertime. Yes, you worked and you earned the money and you shopped on Zillow till you were blue in the face and you found the house and you looked at it and you negotiated and you got the house and you moved all your stuff in. Yes, you were involved in all of that. But let me tell you who blessed you and provided that house in your life. It's God. All good in our life comes from God. And as Christians, one of the ways that we glorify the Lord in the earth is that whenever there's something good at our work, at our school, in our home, in our family, when someone gets well, when someone gets um, a relationship repaired or restored, when a job comes, when a provision is made, when there are answers to prayer, we want to say, yes, this is amazing, but everybody needs to know he is the one who is the giver of good gifts. And everything I have in my life, anything that's good, it's from him. Every blessing is not because I'm awesome, it's because he's awesome. And yes, I do work hard. And yes, I like to hustle. And yes, I like to dream and build and scrap and sweat and, and all those kind of things. But nothing in my life is self-made. And the same is true of you. Now, you don't have to be weird about it at your workplace. (laughs) 
someone in the office pool gathers everybody to gather and says, hey, we just need to take a minute and talk about Frank, everybody. I want you to know that Frank has exceeded his numbers this month. Frank is just above and beyond. Frank is one of the best employees this company has. Frank is just doing an amazing job. So today we're announcing that Frank is being promoted to assistant vice president um, here today. And Frank, congratulations and all that. And everybody claps. And, and Frank has a moment. They're standing around the cubicles. And, and Frank doesn't necessarily need to go well, this is great, but you know whose numbers don't need to be improved is God's. God's numbers don't need to be improved. That's just corny. That's cheesy. That's not the moment right there. But there is a time and a place where you can be with people and have a platform and to say, I just want to give credit to God because he's the one who opened this door. He's the one who gave me these abilities. He's the one who has made all things good in my life. I want to give him the credit. And when you give him the credit, when you say, yes, I did work hard. Thanks for noticing that. I'm glad you find my work meaningful. It's okay to be acknowledged. It's okay to be honored. We like to honor people here at People of Hope. It's okay to be honored. But the glory, the pointing to greatness that deserves ultimate praise and worship goes to God. Amen? So on a Monday... The glory of God matters in your workplace because as good comes, as that extra check shows up in the mail, as the bonus comes from headquarters, you don't go, (laughs) I'm something special. As much as you say, thank you, God. And you give him credit and you glorify him. Number four. Here's why this matters. We glorify God by offering hope in his name to the broken, to the empty, and to the lost. Every encounter you have in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, every single encounter is an opportunity to point a broken person to the one who makes people whole. And you point to his greatness. And you point to the fact that their life may feel empty, but he is the definition of fullness. And you help them find hope in Jesus. You let them know that if their life is a big pile of regrets, he's the one who makes people clean. Amen? If their life is is one where they've been betrayed or abandoned or suffered deep, intense loss or abuse, you glorify God by looking those people in the eye and say, let me tell you about a God who wants to adopt you and make you his son or his daughter. Let me tell you how much God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the guilt that you incurred from your own sinfulness. You and I glorify God when we point people to his greatness and to his perfections. That's the role of our lives. That's the goal of how we do a Monday and how we do a Wednesday. Every encounter You talk to somebody in the grocery store. You talk to somebody at a business. You talk to somebody at your work or at your school or in your neighborhood, gathered around, everybody putting their trash cans out at the night before or pulling their trash cans in afterwards. You you have a conversation with somebody, and if someone opens up about the, the, the empty, if someone opens up about the hurt, if someone opens up about the lonely, this is a moment for you to tell a story of how God has changed your life. This is a moment for you to talk about what God's done for you. 
This is a moment for you to say to somebody who feels like they've just blown it and ruined all of their opportunities for good. This is a moment for you to say, listen, I'm a Christian. And what that means to me is, is that I've come to find that God loves me, not because I've earned it and I'm deserving, but he loves me for free. He loves me so much, he gave his son for me. And you can know him too. And he can change your life. He can fill up the empty. He can repair the broken. He can give you a family to belong to. The glory of God matters because we are commanded and instructed to glorify him with everything that we do in all of our lives. The glory of God matters because it's an opportunity for us to reflect the credit where the credit belongs. The glory of God matters because as we do our life in family, as we do our life in marriage, as we do our life in in school and at work and just in enjoying this city, we have the opportunity to give good news to broken, lost, hurting people that there is a God who is everything they are missing. Amen? The glory of God is the radiance of his collective perfections and his greatness that deserves honor. And he's called us to point to him in all things. Remember when we talked about the love of God and we saw in 1 John that no one has seen God, but when we love other people, they see the love of God through our lives. God wants to make himself known at your workplace. God wants to make himself known in your house. God wants to make himself known in your neighborhood, and he wants to do it through you. And he wants you to point to his greatness and to his sufficiency. And he wants us to to tell people the good news that he is just, and he's full of grace and mercy, and he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, and he's faithful without end. The glory of God is one of the drivers for how we live each day. Whatever we put our hands to, 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whatever you do, do it all what? To the glory of God. When I was in eighth grade um, and most of ninth grade, I, I was mowing lawns to make a little money. Anybody do that? Anybody else do that in the room? Most lawns when you were younger? And at, at the height of that little business operation I had going, I had about six yards that I was doing. And I would try to get a couple of yards in a daytime, and this was actually in Lafayette, Louisiana. So it was like super humid and hot and brutal and all those things. And I'd be working on the yards. And the yards, at that time, I was doing a push mower. Uh, it was self-propelled, so you know it wasn't, wasn't too terrible. But I, I was also doing some weed eating. And I was also involved in church, and I was a part of these Bible studies and student ministry gatherings, and we were being taught to do all that you do to the glory of God. And I kept thinking, well, right now, one of the things I'm doing is I'm mowing lawns. How in the world can I glorify God by mowing the lawn? Well, I want you to think about how in the world can you glorify God in crunching the numbers, in holding the meeting? 
How can you glorify God in sending the email? How in the world can you glorify God in the teaching? How in the world can you glorify God as a student, as a mom, as a wife, as a husband, as a dad, as a child, how, as a sibling? How can you glorify God? I remember vividly mowing these lawns, and I was thinking, like, okay, I'm going to experiment with this. I'm a young kid. I'm trying to learn. So I'm like, today, I'm going to weed eat to the glory of God. I'd be working on the angle. I'm trying to get that great 90-degree rigid angle. I'm trying to get like a little gap between the concrete curb and the start of the grass. Anybody know what I'm talking about right there? Kind of working on it. And I began to think like, I want to do this really well, not so that the homeowner will pay me more. Not so that the homeowner would think I was amazing. Not even so that the homeowner would go to the neighbor next door and go, look, you should grab this kid over here to mow your yard. He's killing it. But I, as a disciple, as a young eighth grade disciple, was having a moment with God in the sweat of a yard and a weed eater in my hand. And I was thinking, Lord, I want to do this really well. And as as interesting as this sounds, I want you to be really pleased by the fact that I'm doing that would just honor you. You are great, and everything you are is beautiful and amazing. And as crazy as this sounds, I want to weed eat in an amazing way. And I I want that to rise up as worship to you, God. I want you to see my heart going, I love you. And I want to do what your word tells me and everything I put my hands to. I want it to be excellent. I want it to reflect your greatness and your goodness. And mow the yard. You're working for those even rows and no no gaps and you kind of finish and you're trying to look at the, the yard and the shade and the shadows and you're kind of going to make sure I didn't miss anything and you're trying to get close to the to the to the hedges and the flower beds and not messing up and you don't want to scalp the yard. You ever had that moment where you, you set it too low and you're like, oh man, that's that's not good. Um, I wanted to do a good job and I began thinking about this. I was listening to some music on my earbuds. And I remember mowing the yard, just pushing this thing up and down and making these laps and making this grid and coming back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And just thinking to myself, I guess you can worship God. I can honor God mowing a yard. You can honor God in filling out a piece of paperwork at your office. Let it be said of Christians that they are the best employees in the town. Amen? Let it be said of Christians that they are the most dependable workers in this city. Let it be said of us that we have a reputation that that goes to the greatness of God. Man, I want to hire more of those Christians. Because they are so humble and teachable and hardworking and they want to do things with excellence and they're, they're full of grace and kindness and mercy for their co-workers and they're dependable and faithful because they're trying to reflect the perfections of God. Glory for God is not simply a worship song. Amen? It's in whatever you put your hand to. So here's your challenge to you, friends. Think about, experiment with, grow in. How can I wash the dishes today to the glory of God?
how can I make a bed to the glory of God? How can I pull weeds or mow the yard to the glory of God? How can I hug my spouse to the glory of God? How can I talk to my kids to the glory of God? How can I show up at work to the glory of God? And just maybe, just maybe, we might let our reflected light so shine in such a way that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's be people who represent Jesus and reflect Jesus in this city to the point that people wonder what's different about us, that we might have a chance to tell them. I hope you have some beautiful moments this week, just you and God doing stuff, just glorifying Him in the everyday. I hope you sit back from a meal sometime and you have something delicious today or this week and you just go, man, God, I am so thankful that you invented Thai food. I glorify you for the beauty of your creation. Way to go, God, in that sunset. We've had some great ones this week, haven't we? Way to go, God, in that fresh breeze as I sit on my back porch. Credit to God, honor, glory, glorifying him with all of your might. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Would you just have a moment between you and the Lord and think about your job right now? If you're a grown-up, then you probably have a job. Just talk to God. Ask him to teach you how to glorify him in that work. If you're a student, then your job is to be a student. To your teachers, to your parents, to the principals, administrators, homework, all those kind of things that are coming your way soon. Pray. Ask God to grow you and develop you in how you glorify God. And point to Him. Lord, teach us. Help us be creative. Help us to have little private moments of worship with you all over town, doing all kinds of things even if we don't post about it or no one else knows it, but you know it, where we give you the credit and where we point to your greatness and we honor you. We love you, God. There is no one like you. You are unique. We thank you for Jesus who has made a way for us to know and enjoy you now and forever. It's in his name we pray. Amen.